Before we get started, before any of this starts, I'd like to remind you that you can experience an ad-free version of this by clicking the link in the description that says plus.acast.com slash s slash Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Exorgat Deus Dissipentur in Amici Eius, et Fugiancio Derenteum Afacha Eius. Let God arise and let his enemies be scattered, and let all those who hate him flee from before his face. The news just hit. On the Republican side, it is now Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Interesting. We're going to talk about this real quick. We're going to hit up a couple of other topics, but I'm planning on keeping this one short as I intend for this to be one of the near last podcasts, probably until the election. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. Let's get started with a prayer. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. Sancta Michael Arcangela, defende nos in proelio. Contra nequitiam et insidias, diaboli est opraesidium. Imperatili Deus, supplicis deprecamur, duque princeps militae calestis, satana maliosque spiritus malignos, que ad perditionem animarum, pervegantur in mundo divina virtute, in infernum detrude. Amen. Cor Jesus Sacratissimum, Miserere nobis, mater dolorosa, ora pro nobis. Beatis Carolus et domo Austriae, ora pro nobis. Domine, ostende facem tuam et salvierimus, Ave Maria Purissima, Immaculata Conceptio Est. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. I suppose you could say that after a manner I'm getting ill. I don't actually think that I'm getting sick. I don't feel sick at all. I'm not suffering from any kind of cold symptoms or anything like that. However, the extreme cold weather has dried out the air, most especially in my apartment, and has caused my sinuses to act the complete fool. So while I continue to try and, you know, sort of coax my sinuses into operating the way they're supposed to do, um... The reality is is that it's also taking a toll clearly on my voice. But I do feel just fine. So, to the topic. Ron DeSantis has dropped out of the race. This last week, Vivek Ramaswamy has dropped out of the race. Both candidates have endorsed Donald John Trump. So now, as it stands, the race is between Donald John Trump, Nimarata, Nikki Haley, and then Joseph Robinette Biden. Now, <clears throat> oh yeah, and also Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you that Nikki Haley does not have a chance in winning. There is no way that anything more than maybe 5 or 10% of DeSantis's support... Now, mind you, I'm not saying a bulk number of 5 10%, because DeSantis had about a 19% coming out of Iowa. So I'm not saying 14% is going... The, you know, the, the remaining 14%. I'm saying about 5 or 10% of Ron DeSantis's support, so maybe approximately 5 or 6... Or excuse me, now 5, five or 6... Um, run the numbers. 
what is five to ten percent ten percent of roughly two percent maybe three percent at the most will go over to nikki haley and the remainder and the remainder will follow ron DeSantis over to donald trump and the reality is is because everybody who was and here's the thing ron DeSantis had some never trumper support and i'm sure he had a lot of never trumper money but ron DeSantis, his principal support was from people who simply thought that Donald Trump was entirely too toxic. Just like Vivek Ramaswamy's support was only because the idea of a younger version of the Trumpster being in the White House is actually a good thing. Ron DeSantis was seen as the respectable Donald Trump. Vivek Ramaswamy was seen as the young Donald Trump. So while there will be a portion of their support that goes off to try and support Nikki Haley in a fool's attempt to try and win the primary, the fact is, is that Donald John Trump is going to get the bulk majority of both of their support. So if Donald Trump was at 50, I think he was at 55%, I don't know for sure. Um, it was somewhere, I, I'm going to put the number at 55% because it was somewhere between 51 and 58%, depending on who was doing the polling when I was watching everything going popping off in Iowa. His 55% will now probably increase to 75 to 80% of the support. And Nikki Haley cannot win a 2 to 8, or basically a, chance, a 1 in 5 chance. It's not going to happen. She's not popular enough. And the fact of the matter is is that everything about her screams of John Bolton and George Bush. And nobody, and I mean nobody, actually wants that to happen again. There's not a single one of us who didn't happen to catch that clip where she's talking about sicking the government on people in social media and forcing people to expose themselves, dox themselves, by the usage of their social media accounts and their accounts online. Now... God sees everything, and because God sees everything, I'm not particularly, um, I'm kind of lukewarm on the, on the topic when it comes to privacy. God sees everything, so if God sees everything, and the social media companies see everything, and your shopping habits are already known, and all of those things, to be perfectly honest with you, I mean, to say the idea that we have some kind of right to privacy is sort of nonsensical. I'm not saying that the government should have access to all of that data. I am saying that the government has decided to purchase that data. So the government and God both know pretty much everything. Although God knows absolutely everything and the government just thinks they know. Now, <clears throat> the fact is, is that what she said is a totalitarian seizure of power. It is an attempt to take power that doesn't actually belong to human beings. And that's kind of at the core of what everybody looks at when they go, I mean, they use words like fascist and Nazi and whatever, and I honestly, those monikers don't mean anything anymore. And more than that, anybody who's actually studied fascism knows that every time somebody calls somebody on the American right a fascist, or somebody tries to point back and say, well, it's Antifa that are the real fascists, they don't know what they're talking about. Because there's an element to fascism that's missing out of everybody's definition, including the definition that was pawned off on Americans in the aftermath of the Second World War. Yes, I will tell you right now, the word fascism was, rede was redefined by people who simply wanted to make sure that America looked like they were on the right side of history. Remember, history is written by the victors, and who won? I can tell you, it was not the fascists, and it wasn't the Catholic Church. The people who did win, they're the ones who wrote the history, they're the ones who wrote the definitions, and they're the ones who have been lying for at least 250 years. So you can accept their definition, or you can accept what the actual definition of fascism is. But since it's disputed, I'm just going to leave that one as largely meaningless. Now, <clears throat> all of that to say 
that the totalitarian attempt, those vestiges of totalitarianism that are deep in the heart of every woman who thinks that they have what it takes to lead, despite the fact, the very obvious fact, that they know nothing about leadership. That vein of totalitarianism, as soon as it came out of her mouth, everybody kind of looked and said, um, darling, I don't think that's what we need, and you probably need to get back in the kitchen. At least anybody with some sense, that's exactly what they said. People with slightly less sense probably said it in a way that was more polite. And I'm not interested in being polite to someone who absolutely has no business being anywhere near the levers of power in the world. Period. Full stop. And Nikki Haley, Nimarata Nikki Haley, I forgot what her last or what her maiden name is, and it doesn't matter, she's married, so she gets her husband's last name. She is a totalitarian psychopath. Period. Full stop. And most people don't want that back in the White House. It's half the reason why people are up in arms right now is because we have a demented, mentally unfit totalitarian psychopath in the White House right now. Now, am I under the illusions that Donald Trump is going to do somehow much, much better than he did before? i got to be honest with you, I doubt it. I do know for a fact that this time around, they know they're going to have to jail him or kill him, and probably jail him and then kill him. And here's a fun fact. Even if they throw him in prison, he will still win. The fact remains is that the American people are looking at what happened to Donald Trump, and they don't see it happening to Donald Trump. Trump is just the icon. He's just the image. He's the avatar. Everything that they're doing to Donald Trump Every, and this is the thing that I think a lot of people aren't really fully comprehending. Donald John Trump is the quintessential American soul. He's wealthy and he's kind of aware of it. He thinks everything he does is the best. Does this sound familiar? Think about it. How many Americans are like, America! Or were up until these last few years when everybody's really decided to take a really long look and find out, oh man, a lot of what we thought we knew was true actually turns out to be BS. Unfiltered, unadulterated, and they didn't even have the, they didn't even have the decency to try and turn it into toothpaste like they do in India. By the way, for those of you who weren't following on social media, that was actually one of the things that was pointed out about India. Is that they take cow dung... The Hindu businesses will take cow dung and turn it into like toothpaste and skin care products. So they're literally covering themselves and brushing their teeth and eating feces. I don't even like, I wanted to drop the four letter word and I got to be honest, I thought better of it. And to point that, and here's the key thing. I think one of the reasons why the other Republican, the other prominent Republican candidates, with the exception of the weak need, <laughs> the weak need stilt wearing Catholic, Ron DeSantis, aside from him, the other candidates were basically maybe a couple generations removed from using poop as a dental hygiene product. Because Nimarata Nikki Haley is of Indian descent. And Vivek Ramaswamy is of Indian descent. And Vivek Ramaswamy is actually Hindu. So he may not even be that far removed from using poop as toothpaste. Now, I don't know for sure, and I'm not going to make the accusation. We, I will simply point out that that is a cultural thing that is in line with the Hindu culture. And I'm going to leave it there. Because in all honesty, I have no reason to believe that Vivek Ramaswamy uses anything other than like Colgate or Crest or Aquafresh to brush and brighten his teeth. And I'm going to be blunt, I don't really care what he uses to brush his teeth. I don't really actually care if he eats feces. I do know that that image was probably placed perfectly, specifically as that sort of last reminder that the people who lead this country are prone to some very awful and off-the-wall things. And Nikki Haley, I'm certain, is actually prone to those exact things. She's 
absolutely retarded, just like every other, actually, to be blunt, every other neocon, neoliberal politician who has no understanding of the rights of God. And there are no, and there is nobody running, not Joe Biden, not RFK Jr., not Donald Trump, not Nikki Haley. There is nobody running who actually is in full comprehension of and in full support of the rights of God. We're only talking about picking the lesser of evil or the most good possible. It's not a situation I'm a huge fan of, and I'm not going to sully myself by participating in it. I have made my stance known. Christ is king, and presidents suck. Period. Full stop. Now, it is of interest to see exactly what's going to happen. I'm reasonably certain. I would say that there's a great... It, it, I would relegate it to a coin toss that before the voting starts in New Hampshire, Nikki Haley throws in the towel. Now, she might hold all the way through the New Hampshire primaries, and she might even try to stay all the way through to the South Carolina primaries. And if that is in fact the case, and I got to be honest with you, that seems reasonable to me because if she can at least manage to win in her own state, then she'll be fine. But I don't think that the primaries go beyond South Carolina because I don't think she's going to win the South Carolina primaries. I think she's going to come in second. And second between two candidates is simply dead last. And when she comes in dead last in her home state, in the, uns in the face of the unstoppable force that is public support for the avatar of these United States of America, and that's what I'm going to call him now. He is the avatar of the United States. He is the avatar of all Americans. He is just as foolish, just as arrogant, just as cocky, and just as ignorant. And conveniently, he is also just as successful. Yes, he has billions of dollars. That is true. And he's run on the idea of making America great again, which i got to be perfectly honest with you, if you truly understand the, the, the history of this country, you might actually step back and go, oh, that doesn't mean what he thinks it means. I do believe, actually, as time progresses, and I learn more and more about the things that have gone on, the things that are going on, and the things that will go on, I actually agree more and more that the acronym MAGA which is directly actually related to witchcraft, occult, and, and uh, Luciferianism at a minimum, if not Satanism at a maximum, is more and more appropriate. You see, the average American is trying to do whatever it is that they can to hold on to whatever, to whatever bit that they have. And I will tell you that Donald Trump will manage to make some substantive and significant changes Prosperity will return to these United States. But do you know what will not return? Ethics. Morality. And an understanding of who God is and what he's owed. Those things will not return. And so we may avert, ever so slightly, the chastisement that seems to be headed for us. The fact is, is I don't think we're going to be able to do it. I hope I'm wrong. It, uh, God love you. I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm, I truly, truly hope I'm wrong. I hope and pray that we can turn the whole thing around and that we can get that semblance, that belief, that feeling of prosperity again. That sense that not everything is going to hell in a handbasket. I pray that that is, in fact, the case. But I also know that if we regain that sense, 
it'll still be an illusion so long as we do not regain our morality. It'll still be an illusion so long as we do not conform ourselves to the truth, the truth made flesh, who allowed himself to be crucified on the cross in the name of democracy. And I think, in all honesty, of all the things that we forget far too regularly, it's the fact that our Lord and Savior, truth made flesh, God in the flesh, the God-man, King of the universe, King of all creation, Rex Judeorum et Rex Mundi, Aeternal. Oh, technically Aeternalis. Um, it sounded better, Aeternal, but it is actually Rex, Rex Mundi, Aeternalis. Um, <clears throat> The fact is, if we don't turn back to him, if we don't deny ourselves and take up our cross, if we don't do the things that we need to do in order to form and achieve and strive for and continue to move towards our salvation as, as individuals, as families, as cities, as states, as a nation, we will not long put off the chastisement. And I will tell you, and, and to be blunt, I hope that we're able to sort of button it together and get it all together and get ourselves right enough, because I would like to be wrong about 2029, and I would like to be wrong about 2033. But the but the trajectory that we're headed on, even if Donald Trump does regain does regain the office, the trajectory we're headed on remains the same. Because the fact is, is that those who do not like Donald Trump, they didn't listen to Jamie Dimon this week when he, uh, by the way, if you don't know who Jamie Dimon is, Jamie Dimon is the CEO of J.P. Morgan Chase. One of the biggest, most powerful banksters in, in the country and in the world. And Jamie Dimon came out and said that Donald Trump really wasn't that bad of a president. He did have the right idea about immigration. He did have the right idea about the economy. He did have the right idea about a lot of the issues that were going on in our country that he was vilified and hated for. But most people didn't listen to Jamie Dimon when he said that because he was scratching the stone-surfaced dome of liberal minds. And so as much as he was correct, the fact is they don't want to hear it. And that's a shame. It truly is a shame. But for those who did hear it, for those who were paying attention, and for those who may actually concede the fact that Donald Trump really wasn't that bad of a president, for those who listen, he will only tip the scales further in Donald Trump's favor. But the people who absolutely hate him with every fiber of their being, for whatever it is that they think he represents... The fact is, they will not be moved. And if Donald John Trump wins 85 million votes and 70% of the electorate and a landslide victory in all but the absolutely most staunchly liberal places, the fact is, they will not believe it and they will believe that the election was stolen. They will believe that it's Russia propaganda. They will believe whatever it is that they want to believe so that they don't have to believe the fact is is that they are absolutely on the wrong side of humanity, on the wrong side of morality, and on the wrong side of history. And they will do what they can to burn the place down. And they will do what they can to force his hand to make him do the things that, to be blunt, as the avatar of the American soul, he's not going to want to do. He's not going to want to send the National Guard in to put down Antifa rebellions. He's not going to want to send the U.S. military to stop the madness. He's not going to want to do it. And like he did during the Summer of Love, he's not going to force it on anybody, no matter how much he really should. And again, this is a prediction where I hope I'm wrong. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. 
When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It brings me absolutely no pleasure to actually say these things because I don't want to say them. I would much rather that the world actually just move on its way to slowly get right, to conform itself with reality that more and more people will find themselves under the shadow of Our Lady's mantle, moving closer and closer to Christ's cross to become conformed with the will of the one true God. I would much rather that be the case. But I've also read the books. And I've also read the prophecies and heard the prophecies and had them read to me in most cases. And in all of the prophecies, particularly about the end of the world, here's the one thing. Men heard, and they saw, and they hid in fear, but they did not repent. That's the through line. They heard, they saw, they lived and hid in fear. And they did not repent. I told you in a previous podcast that the sign of Jonah, I don't think, was the three days in the whale. I believe that the sign of Jonah was Jonah's aggravation that when he preached, in 40 days Nineveh will be destroyed. And Nineveh repented from the king down. And God turned and decided and God repented and decided he would not destroy the city of Nineveh. God turned back. In his mercy and his grace he saw the wretchedness and the misery and the repentance. He saw the people look at their transgressions and see that it was revolting and repellent, that it was repugnant, and they turned away from their sins, and they repented and begged God for mercy, and God gave it. I believe that's the sign of Jonah. Now, of course, the church teaches the sign of Jonah was Jonah and the whale. But these two things can both be true. I'm not denying the sign of Jonah, as the church has always taught it, as, as, as the fathers and the doctors always understood it. I'm not denying that. But I'm actually hoping for the salvation of Nineveh. I want to see us repent. I want to see us come closer to God. I want to see us not be destroyed because of our wickedness.
which is also a marked shift. It's part of the reason why I'm looking at the whole thing and I'm going, maybe, maybe it's time I stopped podcasting for a while. Because I like the new me. I like the me that looks and goes, hey, there's still a chance at salvation. Hey, there's still a chance. All we have to do is run to Our Lady. Beg her to put us under her mantle. And while under her mantle, beg her to reform us so that when we look to God, it's not with our own muddy, nasty, poop-covered, blood-covered faces, but we look up with the face of Jesus. We have his face as our face. We have his heart as our heart. And we have his virtue as our virtue. And I think it can be done. We can't do it on our own, but that's half the point. It's actually pretty much the whole point. We beg Our Lady to put us under her mantle, to protect us and hold us, to shield us and nurture us, to form us and teach us what it is to be Christian, what it is to be loving, what it is to be hopeful, what it is to be faithful like she was faithful like she was loving like she was hopeful it's important hard times are coming hard times are already here but make no mistake about it dear family this is not as bad as it can get Not even close. I have seen wretchedness and filth on social media these last this about this last week, things that I never thought possible. Things that I never thought I would see. Things that I in all honesty I didn't think people would be bold enough to put it. To put it out there, to show it, to see to show what is actually going on. As these people continue to deny reality. As these people continue to deny morality. As these people continue to deny everything that it is that we already know is true. Because it was tried and true and tested. It was already proofed. It was already proofed. Before I do bundle this up and tie it up in its little bow, I'm going to make mention of one other thing, something else that is a lie. People have said that capitalism, in fact, actually, I think this is, this is more of a comment directly directed toward Javier Millet, the president of Argentina. He has come out and said that capitalism has raised more people out of poverty I challenge that. Because what I want to know is, is it less expensive to be at the poverty line in the medieval times if you were to purchase all of the things that you need in order to live a life in medieval Europe? Or if it's less expensive to have what we have today. And here's the standard. A plot of land at a minimum of 5 to 10, probably 10 acres. Livestock. At least one horse. A couple of cows, some sheep, and some chickens. And a house large enough to house a family of 12. Oh, yeah, everybody forgets that. Medieval houses were typically large enough to house families of 10 to 12. The short answer is, it would cost you more than a half a million dollars to purchase those accommodations. 
a half a million dollars. Do you have that? Do you have that money? Are you ever going to actually have that to where you can have those things? Some people, the answer is yes. They started very slowly. They did it, you know, they built it the right way. They've done the homesteading thing. And to you, I'm not talking about that because what you're doing is you're starting with next to nothing and you're building value by cultivating your land and raising your and raising your cattle, raising your crops. But the standard of living is a house large enough to accommodate a large family. Okay, maybe 10 people is too much. Seven. Seven children. If you find that it is far too expensive to live that way, then the fact is, is that your current living condition is poorer than our medieval counterparts. Because our medieval counterparts were largely self-sustaining. The vast majority of what they needed was within meters, within a couple of miles of their house. Now, mind you, you had tanners, leather workers, you had millers, people who process grain and all that. You had tailors. You had weavers. You had people. You had people who wove the fabric. People who who made the fabric into into clothing and into utilities. You have people. You have people who fulfilled a few pieces here and there. But the arrangements that they had, the homes that they had, were sufficient to sustain whatever business their family business was. <clears throat> and that is the reason. Why I can say that the average person is more is less wealthy today, even in the highest quote unquote standard of living, the highest standard of living by medieval standards was dirt poor. These people who have two thousand, three thousand, ten thousand acres of ranch land. You know, the Mark Zuckerbergs, the Oprah Winfrey's, they are in fact more wealthy. But if you're not actually up at that level, even if you're a millionaire, you're poor. The franchise owners of multiple restaurants might be on par with the medieval European. The person making a million to two million dollars a year might be on par with a European. And you can make the arguments here and there, you know, we're better, we're cleaner, we have better health care, whatever. You can make whatever those arguments. I gotta be, but the baseline for the average person anybody making less than a half a million dollars a year is poorer than the, than a medieval pauper yes you have running water yes you have the ability to keep your clothes clean yes you have the ability to look maybe perhaps better than the average medieval peasant but you are de facto poorer less wealthy And the biggest lie of Western civilization is that what we have today, on average, is somehow better. That's the biggest lie. What we have is a conglomeration of superstitions and practices that we think are advanced medical care. We have devices that would boggle the mind of the average medieval European. But I want you to think about this for a moment. As a medieval European, if you have one to two horses and enough wood to make a wagon, you have a car. The fact that the modern day car goes so much faster really means very little. If you had a a mule and enough wood to build a wagon, 
you have a car. The function is the same. And if you have the capacity to obtain enough fabric to build, you know, to cover the wagon in fabric, or you have enough wood to build a, a, like a full-on carriage, you still have a car. The amenities are nice. Don't get me wrong. It's nice to have a heater. It's nice to have a windshield. It's nice to have climate control inside the car. But you still have a car. Don't get me wrong, the airplanes are awesome. And the cargo ships and all of the boats and yachts and everything that we have on the oceans, yeah, and, and in the rivers and all that, yeah, those are pretty dope. That's nice. It's cool. But realistically speaking, do we have anything that the medieval peasant didn't? Except for the airplane, the answer is no. You go, well, we have the internet. My argument is that they're wealthier because they didn't have the internet. Because you couldn't, because legitimately, if you took away the media, broadcast media, the way it is today, the internet, television, etc. When the Pope came out a couple of weeks ago and said whatever it was he said about hell possibly being empty, one, that interview would not have even happened. Two, it would still be another three months before Fiducia Supplicans came out. Which, oh, hey, by the way, Fiducia Supplicans could come out all day long, wouldn't matter, because Traditionis Custodis would still be in debate. There would still be a fight. You don't have immediate backlash, because the parish priest that's out in the countryside wouldn't have even heard of Traditionis Custodis. He would know that Francis is the Pope, and that's it. Seriously, truly. You're going to tell me that living your life in Catholic Orthodoxy would be so bad <laughs> that you would prefer to have the Internet? That you would prefer to have television? That you would prefer to have the media? Really? Come on. And I think perhaps most importantly, if we didn't have the internet, if we didn't have... If we didn't have airplanes and automobiles, if we didn't have... Tra or even if we... Let's just say we only had trains. If we didn't have all that, we wouldn't think ourselves smarter than people like St. Thomas Aquinas. We wouldn't think ourselves smarter than St. Albertus Magnus. We, didn't, we wouldn't think ourselves smarter than St. Dominic or St. Bernard. We wouldn't think ourselves smarter than the apostles, smarter than the first bishops, smarter than the Council of Nicaea, smarter than the Council of Constantinople, smarter than the Council of Trent. If we didn't have all the high-tech doodads, gizmos, and gadgets, we wouldn't think ourselves so smart. And therefore, we'd be living better. Because it would be much harder for the devil to corrupt an entire civilization. Because, like, legitimately, as soon as you plug the internet in to an area that has never had the internet before, what you've effectively done is you've taken 50% of, of the traffic, which is basically pornography, child porn, um, homosexual porn, etc., and pumped not a garden hose, not even a fire hydrant. You've pumped the Niagara Falls of filth into a location. And that's a pretty big deal. Without the internet, you don't have porn. Not to that degree.
You might have body jokes. You might have a couple of paintings here and there that may be a little bit more sus. But you don't have that level of filth, that level of evil. So we may still go through a material chastisement that costs us the interwebs, and that's fine. We may still go through a material chastisement that costs us millions and millions of people's lives, which would be horrifying. An abject horror for every one of those souls that is not in a state of sanctifying grace. But on the back side of it, if we don't have the internet, we don't have the filth. If we don't have cable, we don't have the filth. The, either the horrid filth or the vapid, meaningless entertainment. Without those two things, we don't have anything to really distract us so fully. And keep and and almost force us to keep our eyes off of God. And it only takes a few missionaries and martyrs. Missionaries to plant the seeds and the blood of martyrs to water them before the faith becomes vibrant again. So take stock. Take stock. Take a look around. See what you have and what you really don't. Figure it out. And while you're measuring all of your material goods, remember, you're taking stock of the wrong stuff. It's not your material goods that you need to actually take an account of. It's your material good, or it's your spiritual goods. It's not materialism. It's not the gold or the greenbacks. It's not the money. It's not the house. It's not the car. It's not the computers or the cell phones. It's the devotion. It's the sacramentals. It's your proper use of the sacraments. It's your time spent in conversation with God in prayer. It's the number of Hail Marys, the number of Salve Reginas, and the number of glory and the number of glory bees. It's how many times you call out to your guardian angel, and it's how many times that you beg St. Michael the Archangel to defend us. It's how many times you ask the terror of demons, St. Joseph, to protect us. It's how many times you ask the angels and the saints to illuminate your conscience, illuminate your mind, illuminate your intellect, and bring you closer to God. not the material goods. The wrestling match that I've been having just trying to get an automobile properly back on the road. Hopefully just in time for the chastisement to make sure that I've still got the capacity because I don't have the long-term resources. To make sure that I still have the capacity to obtain the things that I need to obtain in order to sustain my own life. Not the things that I want to obtain. Point of fact, actually included in that list is the capacity to offload all of the extra things I've managed to accumulate so that, I, so that they can be the essential things in someone else's life. Because that list is far more massive than I ever thought. And it's the other reason why I'm looking at saying, okay, maybe it's time I stop.
because I get caught looking the other way. And I don't want that to be the case anymore. So I pray for you that it's no longer the case. I pray that you have everything in line the way you need it to be in line. That you're ready for the coming chastisement. That you're doing what you can to try and mitigate. Remember, we can actually merit the graces. If we're in a state of sanctifying grace, you might actually be able to do the things necessary, not just to mitigate, but to delay the chastisement. And if we can buy ourselves enough time with those treasures from heaven, we might even be able to avoid it altogether. Which is really kind of funny, because how do you avoid chastisement due to national sin? Due to global sin? Well, that's easy. We might actually do enough that this world produces a legion of the greatest saints in history, at least for the time being. Because if we manage to become holy enough to put off the chastisement, if we manage to, put, to become holy enough to make those end of days later, we'll be the greatest saints of our generation and of many generations, but we won't be the greatest saints of all generations. That'll be another generation's call to holiness. And I got to be honest with you, that would still be kind of cool. We weren't the greatest saints in all of history, but we were the saints that put off the apocalypse. Not because we did anything other than ask and beg God to stay his hand. And to repent with sufficient clarity, with sufficient integrity, and with su sufficient devotion and fervor that he decided to do so. this generation could actually become the generation of the other sign of Jonah. The sign that Nineveh repented. Don't get me wrong. There's a part of me that's spiritually jealous of the idea that the saints made in the end of days are going to be the greatest saints in the history of the church. But in the face of that, I would not mind being second best. Legit, I would not mind being second best. If we could be the generation that warranted chastising another day. In the meantime, if you're not in a state of sanctifying grace, get there. Get holy. Pray for the church. Pray for your nation and pray for all of us ridiculous fools in Catholic social media and in Catholic media around the world that we don't lose our way and don't, come, and don't become just as retarded as the enemies of Christ. This is Caleb the Mechanic with Radio Free Catholic. May God bless you and the Virgin protect you. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. <laughs>